everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily, kicking off the new year 2024 with some market commentary with our partner in crime here on MSD's Morning Briefing. That is Mr. Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics and also the Mining Stock Journal. Uh, Dave, MSD, can you hardly believe this? We're going into year seven. I, man, that's gone by quickly. I remember when we were sitting in your basement and, and <laughs> well, here I am. I'm still in the basement. It's a little bit, uh, it's, <laughs> it's decorated a little bit better. It actually looks like an office rather than just a basement desk on cinder blocks and two by fours or something like that. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we're doing, okay. we're doing okay. Doing all right. Um, so let's kick off this first kind of market update analysis, Dave. Uh, I thought what we could do is, little bit of reflection 2023 what we saw from market fundamentals leading into the moves into the precious metals prices and then maybe kind of a general conversation of expectations for the new year 2024 what it means for the metals but also will we finally see a trickle down and a better move into the more volatile exploration stocks which have just really taken it on the chin for let's just say better part of two years. Uh, but in hindsight, 2023, uh, we've seen a Fed, I guess, Fed pivot. What did that obviously put fuel under fire for gold? Uh, we saw some buying into the, uh, um, you know, less risky miners, gold producers, silver producers as well, late into the new year. You know, reflecting back on 2023, uh, what was something that maybe caught you by surprise and something that maybe you were expecting to see later into the year? Man, I'm so jaded and so cynical. There's not really much that catches me by surprise. <laughs> I, I guess if there's anything, it's it's the degree to which the stock market bubbled back up. I mean, you know, it's it's typical when you're in a bear when you're in a bear market, and I still think we're in a bear market, even though the indices are doing what they're doing. You know, you're going to have a some some sharp retraces on the way down. You know, retraces higher, um, but they they don't last this long, and so. Um, all you got to, you know, you got to follow the money. And if you look in, look in the right places, you can see that the Fed, even though they're, they're reducing, they're slowly reducing the size of their balance sheet. There's other ways that, that they're injecting liquidity into the banking system. I and mean, we saw it in, in March with that 400 billion that they immediately, you know, the first sign of trouble in the regional banks immediately injected 400 billion and and set up um, that facility so that banks could tap into it you know to, to, to cover their their deposit outflows or now I mean you know especially the regionals they've been seeing deposit inflows since the summer because they, they hiked the rate, the interest rate they're paying to be competitive with money market rates um, and yet that facility keeps hitting a record high every every week. So it tells me that there's liquidity issues behind the scenes in the banking system. Um, and if you look at, um, you know, everyone focuses on M2, which isn't the real money supply. They, they hit M3 in 2006, and that's the real money supply or the closest approximation that you can get publicly or you could anyway. Um, but if you look at the base money supply, which 
they don't I don't know why they don't call it MZM still they changed it um, in fact they, they they reconfigured how they calculate M1 and M2 if you recall about a couple couple years ago and every, every time they reconfigure something is so they can hide it hide something but anyway if you look at MZM the base money supply it's been rising and again this is off the top of my head I'm, I'm was looking at the charts last week I think I want to say since July it's been slowly rising and so that that's that's um, that consists of bank reserves and currency and coin in circulation so you know the they don't break it out but the only component of that is that can be rising is is the bank reserves yeah Okay. Uh, I, I did see, I did see we hit, what is it, $24 trillion in debt? 34, yeah. But um, 34. I guess my point is, is that, you know, the stocks, stock market inflated up the way it did because the Fed's still pumping, you know, liquidity in certain forms, in various forms into the banking system. And, you know, and that, that's the reason why they pivoted because A, you know, I, and they, they, they pivoted by, and they, really, they've just jawboned rates lower, right? Because we got a massive amount of treasuries that have to be refinanced in 2024. And we're talking, you know, 3% coupon treasuries, which if they if they didn't jawbone rates lower, you know, you're, you're looking at um, over 4% coupons on that stuff, you know, close to 5%. So that's part of the reason. But also, I think... There is a, a banking crisis that's bubbling up, kind of out of sight right now. Yeah, and, and let, let, know, let, that, can, that, can we can we let's go with that because you wrote that in this for this morning's morning briefing, which we recorded obviously earlier today, and I wanted to piggyback on that thought here, Dave, because there are some stats that came up in one of the newsletters I get every morning. Uh, half a trillion dollars of commercial real estate debt comes due this year. Uh, and in 2025, another half a trillion comes due. Uh, and that it's just absolutely fascinating. Now, where that those rates come from, where they were to where they're going to be when those do come due through the year is going to be something interesting to watch and how those get refinanced, if they get refinanced, uh, was going to be just, it's just going to be a lot of juggling uh, a lot of, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, so this does come back to a some sort of how is this going to lean on the banks? How volatile will those banks be, specifically the regional banks, which we already seen the volatility earlier in 2023? Yeah, I mean, you know, notwithstanding the fact that the rates are going to be a lot higher to refinance that debt, it's not clear that the market's there to refinance it. But one one ask one part of the world of debt that is gets kind of lost in the shuffle is all of the debt that was used by private equity companies to to do their their buyouts. You know, they, we used to call them leveraged buyouts in the '90s and the '80s, right? Now, now they I, I don't know what they call them now, private equity buyouts or whatever. But they're highly leveraged, and a lot of that debt is going to need to be re- refinanced also. And it's not clear that the the market's there for because a lot of these companies are crap. They don't they don't generate enough cash flow to to service their debt. So there's that, and then obviously massive loads of consumer debt. That is the default rates are starting to 
accelerate on on a lot of this debt, auto loans and credit card debt, and obviously student loan debt. Uh, yeah, and a lot of forgiven student loan debt as well. Uh, I think I saw when I was on this holiday break. But so this really put fuel uh, fuel for the fire of the gold price. Um, you know, since the fall into the winter of twenty twenty three, there is expectations that gold is it's a, a fundamental great setup for the gold price. Obviously, we know central banks have been buying. Uh, to which degree they've been buying is a little bit uh, we can speculate there. Uh, you know, what are the real numbers? Uh, we haven't necessarily seen the follow through in the uh, retail purchasing of physical gold. Uh, but despite the move in the gold price, it had reached those all time highs, made another new all time high, quickly came down. It hasn't necessarily been, you know, the tide that lifted all boats with the gold equities, uh, Dave, because, uh, you know, GDX is still trading like gold's about, you know, $1,700, $1,800 an ounce. Uh, but, the 2024 does seem like a good setup for the gold equities. Uh, what are those tailwinds you're seeing? But also on the back of that, what are those headwinds we need to be watching very carefully as we move into the new year? Well, first, really quickly, when people say central banks have been buying gold, I like to clarify that. It's the Eastern Hemisphere central banks. And then, well, as far as I know, the Western central banks aren't haven't been buying gold. Um. The I think the numbers actually are pretty good because I think they're they're gleaned from these central banks um, publicly released financial statements. The only one that's not totally clear is is China's because we have no idea how much the PBOC is actually buying is really buying. We don't even know how much gold really goes into China on a monthly basis because they they opened up the port of Beijing for for importing gold in 2014. And they purposely said that they were not going to release those numbers because they wanted they wanted some opacity in terms of how much gold was going into China. And I'm sure that's because the PBOC is buying more than just the gold that gets produced inside of China. Mm-hmm. So, and also the PBOC does not need to. It's the only entity that doesn't that doesn't need to source the gold that it purchases after it's processed through the Shanghai Gold Exchange. So that's that's why it's impossible, really, to track how much gold they're actually buying. Um, in, in terms of, of the tailwinds, I mean, it, you know, I, I think what just unfolded in 2023 is very similar to what unfolded in, in 2007 and 2008, only it's worse. And we saw what, what the 2007-2008 tailwinds did for the price of gold over the next three years, right? And I, you know, I, I think, I, I think we should, we'll probably see something similar, you know, maybe even a, a bigger move in magnitude over the next few years, because these, these problems, these problems that contributed to the tailwinds, like just, just the debt alone. And I'm amazed because it's, it's like, it, it's almost like everyone has their head in the sand. And part of that is because the mainstream media doesn't really report on it or report accurately and honestly on it. And so it's, it's just, I kind of think it's one of those things where people would rather just put their head in the sand and pretend it's not there, but it's, it's getting worse. And I was just looking at numbers this morning in terms of the amount of debt issuance. Um, there was an article posted on zero hedge that had it broken out. And, you know, it showed how much debt over the last four years, the last two years, 
the last six months and the last three months. And we're issuing new, more government, new government debt at a rate of $4 trillion a year on an annualized basis based on the three-month and six-month numbers. So well, who's I buying mean, that debt? Who's buying the debt? That's the, I mean, that's, that's part A of the, of the situation. Part B is who is buying that debt? Well, I, the Fed's got swap facilities with, with foreign central banks. And I think they draw on that. And I think that's what, what you're seeing in terms of the foreign participation in these auctions, you know, especially the longer dated ones. I mean, the, the most of the debt that's been issued this year has been under a year. It's been T-bills because the money market funds are flush with cash and, and they're the ones that have been financing it. But when that, you know, as, as everyone knows, when that reverse repo facility is completely drawn down, it doesn't even need to be completely drawn down. They're, they're not going to be able to issue the, the quantity of T-bills that they've been issuing since the debt ceiling was removed. So, um, you know, and that's that's the question is who's who's going to buy when they have to start issuing, you know, seven to 30 year debt. Who's going to buy that? So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. And I, that's part of the reason why I think the Fed is going to have to start printing money again in uh, this year. And, you know, in order to uh, the alternative is let the market set a rate that'll induce enough enough entities and especially foreign entities to 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 you know induce them to buy it but you're talking about much higher rates especially if the dollar keeps mm-hmm. falling yeah we one of the best conversations i think we had late into last year was with michael howell who really is one of the godfathers of liquidity and he has this thesis that the federal reserve will slowly and then st- rapidly become the first and last purchaser of U.S. debt. Uh, I mean, massive amounts into, uh, you know, $8 trillion by the time 2030 rolls around. That will be something to be watching very closely. And I tend to agree with him because if we're seeing some of those, historically, the big foreign purchasers of U.S. debt not coming to the table, if big banks can't come to the table, uh, we're, so we're seeing less demand and more supply. Somebody's going to have to come in and, 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 and purchase that. And I mean, why not the Federal Reserve? Yeah. Oh, I agree 100. percent That's. That, I mean, I don't know what the other option is. Yeah. I don't know Unless the they're not worried are. about you know what the what the market clearing rate would be. I think you're talking about something approaching 10 percent at the right. long end. Right. Right. Uh, let, let's talk before the last couple of minutes here, Dave. Let's talk about the exploration equities, the junior mining equities that uh, we love to uh, <laughs> remind us to be remain humble <laughs> from time to time. Uh, you know, we've we've seen a little bit of a pickup. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously through the tax lock season of 2023 into the new year. There's a lot of incredible values out there, at least in my opinion. Uh, you know, companies that have done a lot of good work that are cashed up despite the volatile markets have been able to continue to advance projects, good management, good rocks. You know, how are you following through with this on 2024? You mentioned in this morning's briefing, you plan on trading the junior exploration equities aggressively in 2024. So let's follow up on that. How aggressive are you going to be? Because you're pretty aggressive already. I mean, the beautiful thing about these these junior, pro, you know, project development companies. I mean, they're especially the ones where the stocks are like twenty cents per share or lower. 
I'm talking US dollars, so you can do the conversion mm -hmm. in your head if you want. I mean, they're basically for the for the companies that have good projects that have a, a, a good a reasonable to good probability of being converted into a, an actual operating mine. These are these are dirt cheap call options with no expiration. I mean, what better way to play a call option than one that doesn't have a, a an expiration? And you're not going to hit on all of them, but you know, it, it, you just have to hit on a couple of them because a lot of these. I mean, I, I, you get my mining stock journal. I don't know if you if you read it. It's probably boring no, after a certain number of years. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've run through the case for for several different junior, you know, ten cent stocks. I've run through the case for why these things ultimately should be five to ten baggers. You know, like Viva Gold, Cabral Gold. Um, Cabral's actually it's nearly doubled since since the beginning of November. So you're right. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these um, micro caps haven't moved yet, but some some have made some pretty big moves. I mean, I dare I bring up Hercules Silver, which um, you know. Oh, so maybe we I, should talk well, about that. I mean, like do you have a position yesterday? I, well, did I you have a position? Never, pardon me. Did you have a position? Uh, no, I, I missed I missed the move higher. I've had I had yeah, subscribers I, pointed out to me, and I looked at it, and I'm like, I just you know I'm not crazy about it. And it, I mean, they should, should change their name to Hercules Copper, right? I mean, it's you know what moved the stock was a copper discovery. So um, I, I will say, I mean, I, I, I'm not a I, I'm not as well versed in looking at um, copper. Uh, assays as I am at, with gold and silver assays, but I mean the 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 grade of what they've discovered so far. I mean it, it doesn't look great. It's not it's not. I wouldn't call it high grade. They've had some some high grade hits for sure. Um, mm. And I, I think the stock, in my opinion, the, the stock. I'm, I actually am profiling. I, I, was it Hercules that I'm? Oh no, Abra. I'm I'm reviewing Abra Silver. For the next mining stock journal but I, I looked at hercules yesterday and the, the thing about it is well first of all it, it it looks like there's probably a large mineralized footprint on their project property mm -hmm. and if that's being the case it, it's going to take a long time to develop that project i mean we won't know for years whether or not it's it's got a, a, a an economic deposit on it right and and um I think it kind of just got caught up in the hype, and I think a lot of momentum chasers piled into it and drove it higher. And and when they saw the what they think are disappointing assays, I mean, you know, as as you know, um, you know, when mining companies turn out a lot of drill results, you get you get inconsistency, right? Because they mm -hmm. they're trying to mm -hmm. fine tune, you know, where the best places to drill are, and and try and figure out how the deposit sits geometrically in the ground. So, you know, especially in the early days, you're, it's going to be hit or miss. I mean, Delta Resources had the same issue, right? Yep. Which, yep. by the way, thanks yep. for turning me on to that because that's one of my more favorite plays now. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, you know, but it's CEO, interesting. Man, and he's a really nice guy. Um, I mean, that, yeah. there, that one's up 50% since early November. So, um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're still way down from where they were. At some point in the last two or three years, but I mean, this is when you want to buy these things. 
Right, right. Uh, you know, you you saw the uh, the swift turns that junior exploration can give. Uh, what they give, sometimes what junior exploration equities give if they take away pretty dang quickly, and you saw that. But you know, listen, it's exploration. It's a long game. Uh, just because you make one good discovery, and that was a really good discovery, Hercules Silver made with that deep, you know, copper, uh, uh, copper porphyry play uh, or discovery. Now, the the question is the follow ups here. Listen, it's a porphyry. It's these are hugely huge mineralized systems. You need more than f- five or six drill holes, right, to un- really understand there. And even if those grades maybe weren't as as good as the first ones and the first discovery hole doesn't mean that they don't exist. It's not a, you know, this, this, this project is not dead by any means. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, they're in the, the hunt and peck process right now. Also right. when Barrett came in, you know, they put in 23 million Canadian and that got people quickly juice, and that juiced the stock. Now the thing about Barrick is they've got investments like that in hundreds of companies all over the world. 23 million is nothing to them. They've got 5.4 billion in cash on their balance sheet. I mean, you know, talk about a cheap option for them. And, yeah. and you know, they when they develop a project, it's really slow and methodical. And so, you know, like you pointed out, if you're going to invest in Hercules, you know, don't chase the price higher because you're going to have an opportunity at some point to get in at a lower level. And you got to be in it for the long game. Yeah. Especially with well, the type of project. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the big stories of junior exploration 2023. Like for as bad as the market was, the market was rewarding good discoveries. You know, there were a yeah. few a few companies out there that made big discoveries that the market lashed onto and and drove those prices higher. Some of them maintained those at those levels. Others have you know come back down. But it was interesting that the market, despite the market being absolutely awful, people were paying attention and rewarding good work. So that's yes, that's nice to see. Hopefully, there's follow through. The other, the other trade, and I, I, you know, would urge the, the listeners to to do go through this exercise. Just pick out ten or twenty junior microcaps and run like a two or three year daily chart. And they almost all look similar, you know, where they were up here, came down pretty quickly. And then just for most of 2023, they flatlined. And so that kind of tells me that a lot of these stocks kind of found a bottom. And and the the selling, you know, the, the, the majority of the selling's done. And so all it takes is a, a trigger point to get capital to flow back into these things really quickly. And I I also want to make this point. So um, over the course of the 22 years I've been involved in this sector, usually the best moves in the sector overall, the highest quality moves, meaning um, the the largest percentage moves that last more than six months, you know, that last Mm -hmm. a couple years or, or longer. I mean, you could actually look at, you know, 2001 to two, 2011 is one big move with some volatility in between, right? But um, the, 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 the highest quality bull cycles in this sector occur when you have gold and silver taking off first and, and the mining stocks lagging, but then the large caps starting to move and then the mid caps and then the micro caps. 
And that's kind of what we've seen so far. Because, I, again, if I, let me see, pull up a chart here. I was kind of surprised when I looked at it. I mean, if you look at, um, again, I'm looking at a two-year daily. Um, we've had an upward trajectory in the price of gold since the beginning of November 2022. And that might be surprising because there's, again, there's been plenty of volatility in between. Um, and and silver has been in an upward trajectory since August, the end of August, 2022. And that, you know, again, just look at the chart. I'm not, I'm not making stuff up. So, um, and then if you do, do the same thing for GDX, GDX has been in an upward trajectory since the end of September 2022. But not it, it, it's been in a, a more shallow trajectory. You know, gold's mm-hmm. been in the steepest trajectory, then silver, then GDX. So that's kind of following, you know, my the formula I've observed over the years for the creation of a healthy bull move. I mean, you could argue, even though it might not feel like it, that GDX has, <laughs> has been in a bull move since since, you know, the fourth quarter of 2022, you know, and I'm sure people would argue that with him, but just look at the chart. Um, so, and, and the thing about it is the other thing that happens with these junior micro caps is like everyone has their, their portfolio, their favorite ones that they're invested in, you know, and then all of a sudden you hear about something like Hercules silver that goes, I mean, that thing was at four cents at one point and it, what it hit, it hit a dollar, <laughs> quickly so you know and they they see stuff like that and they're like oh my my stocks are just in quicksand they're stuck in the mud well it to me it's kind of like watching popcorn and I, I i figured that out back in in 2002 2003 where there'd be all these stocks moving you know and some of my stocks were just you know frozen and then all of a sudden out of nowhere boom they would start moving and they move quickly when they move as you know right right yeah, so i think yes, that's do. Probably what we have to look forward to, at least in this year, and who knows how how long it could extend into. Yeah. All right, Dave. Thanks so much. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Let's uh, hope that maybe 2024 is uh, just as good, if not better, for the gold price, but maybe a lot better for the junior explorations uh, market. Because, like I said, there were some there were some winners in 2023, but the market was not favorable for most of the companies. I, it definitely feels like the fundamentals are a little bit better moving into the new year. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, thanks so much for your help on the pod. And we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Trevor. Happy New Year. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.